Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Okay, we are continuing in Daniel. Pastor Linda uh, set us up with the context while you're turning there. Daniel 4, she's exactly right. We are in a parenthesis in Israel's history. And so uh, this uh, series, True Grit, a stand-up man and a bow-down world. If you are just joining us, if this is your first week here, um, and you're like, nah, I don't want to come to church when the weather is beautiful. I'll wait till a cold, rainy Sunday morning. That's when I'll come. Then praise the Lord for your decision. You're going to be blessed by being here. Let me catch you up to speed. We're in a series... Uh, all about the book of Daniel, the character Daniel, I should say. In Daniel chapter 1, we see uh, living as an alien. And uh, Pastor James uh, taught us about how we have these two citizenships, right? The citizenship here on earth and the citizen as a kingdom of heaven. And how do you live in the world but not be consumed by it? What is your daily reminder? For him, it was the veggies and water instead of the king's meat and wine. Uh, Chapter 2 about Daniel interpreting that dream and how... If he didn't, everybody was going to be killed. Yeah, there was a great deliverance, but how do you glorify God while you're waiting for that great deliverance? Last week, I built an American idol. Not Kelly Clarkson, uh, like a list of blocks about how we have idolatry even in this country. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, stood and uh, God delivered them not from the fiery furnace, but in the fiery furnace. And that leads us to chapter 4. And I'm going back now... Uh, a couple things to make perfectly clear up front. We don't don't often know what to do with politics as a church. We are entering now a season that does one of two things to people, right? Here we come to another presidential election. And and I've realized there's, there's really two kinds of people. There are people for whom this energizes them and they can't get enough they want to hear every bit of information every candidate they're following the thing they're listening to every debate they're interacting with the television as the debate is going on they mute the television so they can say what they want to say to the tv right then there are people that are like please let this in right just get somebody in office and we can all go back to our normal lives whatever and it's not necessarily apathy it's just two ways of relating to this and this is the thing those two people generally marry each other or you know what I mean or they find that they're they're roommates or they work next to each other in the office and it or they're 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 in the same fraternity you get what I'm saying like those two people tend to collide and uh and so I I don't know which side of that you're on nor is this message you know if a church gets behind a particular engages in uh, excessive political activity they can lose their non-profit status and I don't want to do that we would all suffer no one, I, I would suffer a lot too, so we're not going to do that. You know, there's no hidden message. You're not going to be able to go back through this message and be like, secretly, he was uh, supporting one candidate or the other. It's not like that. Um, and the other thing I want to get clear is that uh, uh, y- y- about eight years ago, maybe eight or nine years ago, I ripped off a title and a, a theme for a message. And I even, I even brought it here, and, I've, uh, and I'll tell you about that. Um, uh, by a guy named Andy Stanley. Some of you may be familiar with Charles Stanley, his dad. And he preached this sermon series called Letter to the Next President. And I even wrote a letter to the next president eight years ago, if you remember that. And if you remember that, congratulations, by the way. But I kind of brought that back and revived it and looked at a little different, slightly different passage of Scripture for today. But um, I say all that mainly just to say, as a 
you know, the credit to Andy Stanley. So if you're ever listening to an Andy Stanley podcast and you hear a sermon that sounds like mine, I don't want you to email Andy and be like, yo, you're ripping off this guy Tom Richter's stuff. I'm ripping off his stuff. Is everybody like, like um, he's David Bowie, I'm Vanilla Ice, just to be clear. <laughs> if you get that reference, I pray for mercy on your soul and there is deliverance in Jesus. Um, you guys ready? So we're in this, uh, before we get to this, 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 this we're going to start in verse 4 of chapter 4. Give you a little background, a little history as to why this passage is so relevant to where we are in this election season and coming up on a, 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 a selection, a whole political process as we're about to engage in that, or already engaging in that. I want you to see, the year is 580 B.C. Now this is a parenthesis in Israelite history, right? As Pastor Linda alluded to, the Israelites, they have their, they're, they're in the promised land, they've got their temple, and God tells them over and over again through prophets and priests, right, you, you, God's going to judge you. You cannot keep cheating on God, as it were. And they don't listen, and time and time again, and, and the, 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 the hammer of his judgment is none other than this guy, King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon goes into Israel and takes off a group of exiles, first the, the cream of the crop, and, and was really a brilliant politician. He, he brings in these folks that even though they're technically slaves in Babylon, if they work well and if they prove themselves, they can rise to real positions of authority. That's what we see Daniel and his three friends. They were named Hananiah, Mishael, and what is it, Azariah, and they, they get renamed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gives them Babylonian names. But you get the idea. His, it's a brilliant strategy. It's not just going to a place and burn it to the ground and level everything but to sort of absorb it as part of Babylonian culture and it was really quite successful he had built a massive empire in this way then they go back and lay siege to Jerusalem take off a second group of exiles then eventually Jerusalem is you know destroyed and the walls and the temple and all that stuff is gone I say all that to say it looks like God of the Israelites is sort of out of business I mean, it looks like, well, where's God? I mean, the whole thing is, is falling downhill. And if you're, uh, I mean, I mean if, if you're trying to follow Judaism and follow that religion, the, the temples, at that, you know, temples being destroyed, it's like, what, you know, what's left? Uh, look at the decay. Look at the morality. The God of, you know, the Bible, the, 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 it's just out of business. And if you ask somebody who is the most high God, they would say, well, Marduk. God of Babylon, he seemed to be pretty mighty because Yahweh is no more, right? Or, or, or Baal, the God of the Canaanites. Or you'd get some Moloch, you know, but you wouldn't hear about Yahweh. He seems to be out of business, seems to be quiet. And that's where our story is. And that's where we pick up the action. Look at verse 4. I'll put the verses on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along. I, Nebuchadnezzar. So here, it's kind of cool. It's like a presidential memoir that was told years later. He's telling the story. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. That's a huge understatement. He had, I mean, he was the most powerful man in the known world. He built an empire that's situated on modern-day Iraq. In fact, you remember Saddam Hussein, he tried to basically recreate the power of Nebuchadnezzar in his vision because it was such a power, powerful and prosperous time, right? So in the middle of this contented and prosperous time, verse 5 says, I had a dream. It made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Now, what was this vision that he had? He has this dream 
where there's this great tree that reaches up all the way to heaven and it's beautiful and it's lovely and its branches spread out and the leaves are so good and all its fruit and everything provides food for all the animals of the world. All the creatures of the world can come under the shade of this tree. They can come under the protection of this tree and they can prosper and they can be nourished and nurtured and it's this beautiful, glorious and grand tree. Then this announcement comes. This verdict from messengers or angels and it says, Cut the tree down. Cut it all the way down. Only thing is leave the stump. And on the stump, put a big chain of iron and bronze on the stump. That's what's going to happen. And now all the animals have to go away and they're not under all this protection. And it's, it's this terrible uh, tragedy. And, and, the, and the tree has devolved into this thing. Strip off the leaves. You know, scatter the, scatter the, the fruit. And then... You know, let this stump, you know, let his mind be beaten, let him, let him get rained on with the dew of heaven, let him live among the animals, the plants, and it's kind of this crazy thing. What's he talking about? A tree would live. And then let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by. Right? Really weird, mysterious. That's why he's, he's, he's terrified because he can't get, a, can't get an answer to this, to, this, uh, to this dream, to this understanding. And pick up the, pick up the dream in verse 17. This is what's announced to him. This is why Nebuchadnezzar panics. The decision is announced by messengers. Those are angels. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living, that's us, may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. Now that's an important verse. We're going to come back to that. The Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. And uh, I want us to notice that phrase, most high. The most high is sovereign. And this is shocking because Nebuchadnezzar thinks he is the most high. I, I, I'm, I'm the person in power. And yet, you're, and yet I'm getting this dream that somehow the most high is sovereign. What is this? And so he looks around. Who can tell me what this thing means? I'm terrified. And finally, they realize, you know, this guy, Daniel, he can interpret dreams, which is funny to me. You ever, does this strike you? Like in the next chapter, I'm not trying to steal your thunder, but, you know, they're like, who can read these words? Who can interpret the dream? And they like panic for weeks. And then they're like, oh, yeah, Daniel, who seems to do this over and over. Like at what point are they just like, let's start with Daniel? You know, instead of like weeks of panic, let's just, you know, because he like nails it week, time after time. Like, whoa, 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 surely there's someone, but there's probably not. Oh, well. Over and over. Anyway. So here we go. Let's get the So they call in Daniel. He can do it. All the smart guys are like, oh, we don't know. You know, they call for Daniel. And Daniel says, oh, whew, I wish this was a dream your enemy had. I wish, I would wish this upon your enemies because this is not good. And he says, I'll tell you. But even he's stressed to tell the king this because it's such bad news. And Nebuchadnezzar, you know, is a bit of a temper. What, you know, fiery furnace and stuff. But uh, uh, that's the kind of guy we're dealing with. And, and so Daniel says, like, look, I really, really wish, wouldn't have to tell you this. And, uh, and, and Nebuchadnezzar tells him, don't be afraid. Give it to me straight. You know, I, I want to know. So he says, okay. You know, you're, you're it. You're the... Uh, the one if you look at like for example verse verse 21 and 22 you know the the, the tree you saw it grew large it's top touching the sky it's beautiful leaves abundant fruit provided food for all give shelter to the beasts of the field having nesting places the branches the birds of the air like verse 22 you O king are that tree you become great and strong and your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth right? and you saw this messenger that said cut it down so here's the interpretation look at verse 24 this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree, the most 
High. There's that phrase again. The Most High has issued against my Lord the King. This is what I love about this. Daniel keeps calling God the Most High. Nebuchadnezzar's looking around in a culture of many gods, going, well, the Most High God would obviously be Marduk. I mean, the Most High God would be the, the powers that be. It would obviously be Baal. And you're telling me this invisible God who seems totally out of business, temple destroyed, Daniel, who is essentially a, a slave in Babylon, having been captured, you know, and, and, and he, he looks in the, and speaks to all this power and says, yeah, from a worldly perspective, I agree. It looks like God's out of business. It looks like uh, everything's falling apart. I myself have, have no status or position. Let me be clear. There is a most high God who is very much in business. He's not abdicated his throne, not for a moment. And here's his decree. He's issuing decrees. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's a guy who cranks up a furnace and throws people into it. Nebuchadnezzar's a guy who's like, if you can't even just tell me the dream I had, I'm going to kill every one of my uh, dream interpreters. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Okay, this is not the sermon, but as I was pulling in this morning, it occurred to me that for many of you on this rainy Sunday morning, you came here, and I have this sort of subtle... I mean, for those of you who are Christians, you kind of see what I'm doing. I'm trying to speak truth to power, but also talk about how leadership is stewardship. But others of you are walking in here, and I just I can't help but think that that's great and all, but you need something a lot more direct and a lot more... You're hanging on for dear life. And so there's a sermon here for you too. And if nothing else, I'll give you this one sentence. When I raise my eyes toward heaven, my sanity was restored. And you're just hanging on and you're in the throes of addiction and you're in the valley of darkness it's not when I looked at other people it's not when I you know went and, 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 and did all this on my own but you're here you're praising the Lord you're listening to the word of God you're praying you're not giving up on God even if it's just you know the last little shred uh, the 12 steppers talk about sanity a lot they talk about I was I, this, I become powerless over this addiction right and but I came to realize this higher power, God, could restore me to sanity. That's straight out of Daniel 4. It's when I raised my eyes toward heaven. And so if you are such, in such a dark place and in such pain that this whole sermon about letters to the next president, you'll file it away and you'll keep it and that's great. You're not going to, you know, you're going to be blessed by it. But man, you're just going, I just need something to cling to. I just need a little anchor. Um, my life is when I raise, it's when you raise your eyes toward heaven. It's sanity is restored. And that's true of Nebuchadnezzar. That's true of you. Then I pray, back to the sermon. Then I praise the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. I love this. His dominion is an eternal dominion. The guy who comes back from cow crazy is suddenly like, I've got some new revelation here. Whoo, I was a little off. You remember that whole thing about how I'm the man. It's my glory. I built it. No, 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 no. Remember how my tree spread out all the way to heaven and the leaves everywhere and I ruled over all these nations? No, I would like to amend that. I would like to correct that statement. It's his dominion that is an eternal dominion. It's his kingdom that endures from generation to generation. And Nebuchadnezzar goes, I, hey, I am not as strong as I thought I was. And what a lesson to realize, wow, you know, all these candidates, there's such power, uh, this, this currency of power. Do you remember, um, uh, uh, and the way they have to get it, you know what I mean? The way they have to 
the way they have to convince people, the way they have to build a movement. I, think, I always think, like, what would it be to be a presidential candidate? On the one hand, there'd be such hope and such courage. On the other hand, such raging insecurities. Like polling every day. You've got a number that tells you your value, you know? And I think about that, and they must be so concerned. How are we doing in Florida? How are we doing in New York? How are we doing these things? Do you remember when, um, in 2008, there was a character that came to national relevance, and I don't think he wanted to, but of a question he asked, and he sort of, he began to typify the everyman. He was called Joe the Plumber. Does anybody remember Joe the Plumber? Yeah, your, your memory goes back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, I always think about that. And, and, and so at the town hall meetings, the candidates would be asked, well, okay, that's a great foreign policy, but how does that affect Joe the Plumber? And what they meant was, how does it affect the everyman? And poor Joe the Plumber's like, I, you, know, you know I'm here. Like, uh, but you know, how, what about Joe the Plumber? Do you know who's not concerned about the approval of Joe the Plumber? The Most High God. Because he already has the approval of Osei Everest, the mountain, or Nile, the river, Atlantic, the ocean. His approval range is 100%. Sun, the sun. He, uh, do, do you understand that? That his approval. Sometimes I preach at places, and sometimes it happens here. Sometimes you go up on stage, right? and the singing is there, and the only way I can explain it is powder keg. Like I'm ready, I get up to preach, and it is electric. And I just feel like if I just said, Jesus, I mean, the place explodes. I've, I've literally been in places like that. They are ready. They're just, you don't even need a sermon. It's, it's electric. And all, you just feel like if all you did was just click, the thing explodes. Do you realize every time you walk through a little forest path, do you realize the rocks powder can? The rocks are ready to cry out. The rivers clap their hands, the mountains shout for joy. Every time you walk through a forest, it is electric and ready to burst in explosive praise to the Most High God. Do you realize that earth is crammed with heaven and every bush aflame with the fire of the praise of God? See, that's, that's, that's the reality you walk into. My point, God's not asking, how are we doing in Florida? How's our poll numbers? Right? We got to get out there. We got to win the swing states, right? No, there does not an electoral college that put God into office. He is the unelected one, right? He needs no, he's not worried about what if we don't get enough votes. He's not worried about carrying a few swing states. He simply is. That's what it means. His kingdom is, his dominion is eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. So when your kids ask, who made God? Tell them the truth. No one. God is. Like, but I don't understand. Yeah. You're not gonna, but it's the right answer. Tell them the truth. See? Back to verse 35, the moral of the story. Here we go. All the peoples of the earth regard as nothing. This is Nebuchadnezzar still in this song of praise. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, now what have you done? <laughs> Isn't that great? So, in other words, no one can ultimately has the right to look at God and say, oh, I would have done it this way, I would have done it that way. Now I. Nebuchadnezzar, verse 37, praise and exalt and glorify. Wait, I thought he was praising and exalting, glorifying. You know, Nebuchadnezzar loves him some Nebuchadnezzar. But this time, no. Praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. This is radical because he's the king. No, 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 no. Why? Because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble and all the advisors said, uh-huh, amen, yes, that's right. Because we saw it for seven times. We saw it. This, if he can do that to Nebuchadnezzar, we better walk humbly with our God. 
And it's a message to all of us today. To humble ourselves, to dial back that pride that says, this is about me, I, I, I lead this thing, I organize this thing, these people follow me, they listen to me. Wait a minute. All that may be true. And I'm not saying dial back your position. I'm not saying walk into the office tomorrow and says, I know it's a CEO, but I'm just a servant. You know, you need to be CEO. We need, we need your influence, right? So, but you don't own it, you steward it. And that changes your perspective. When you look down at all the things you own, you're going to have one perspective. But when you look up and you say, hey, these aren't the things I own, these are the things I steward, you now are going to treat them different. You're going to treat them better. You're going to treat them in a way that honors them and that knows that, that, that even when you, when you have to make tough calls and tough decisions, you're doing it as someone who is also under great authority. And the pride leaves. And if you can hang on to that moment to say, I'm here for their sake, it's a stewardship. And your, your, your ability and your talents and your education, all that stuff can make you a popular leader, it can make you a famous leader, but it won't make you a great leader. You won't become a great leader until you acknowledge that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and He chooses to give them to whomever he wishes, accountable, and it is temporary and stewardship. <clears throat> there is one. Because um, you could leave here and go, well, that, that's really challenging, but, you know, what, what, what do we do with this? Well, the hope here is that none of us are going to get this right perfectly. But if we had, if we had a leader who could get this right perfectly, and my hope is not in the Democratic Republic or Republican Party or whatever party, um, but if we could just have a leader, right, that could get this right perfectly, we'd have the new heaven, new earth. And it strikes me that we have one. Look at verse 30. When Nebuchadnezzar says, this is absolutely ridiculous for any human to say this. Is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence, right? In other words, this whole place just exists for me and my glory, for me to live. By my mighty power, I did it by my own power and for the glory of my majesty. That is absolutely ridiculous for every human that ever lived to say, except one. You know, there is one who could walk out on the porch of heaven and go, is this not Long Island? And I built this place for my glory. I did it by my power. I plan to walk here, walk among it. And I, this, is, this is all exists for me. Is this not Jerusalem, right? Is this not the world? There is one who said that. And here's the thing, was right. Jesus, the Messiah, when he came to earth, he could literally look out at everything and go, this is all here for my glory. And what did he do with that knowledge? He gave it away. He, he, he took that knowledge and bent down and took a towel and washed the stinky feet of his disciples. And he said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. He took his great power and leveraged it for others he did that perfectly and we're jesus already came right we can't, we're not going to be jesus we're not going to redo that but we've been invited to follow him and do that exact same thing and your business is going to be different the, the, the classroom you teach tomorrow is going to be different your family is going to be different as you remember that leadership is stewardship and he can humble the exalted uh, he can exalt the humble certainly humbly exalted so if daniel were here maybe he could help us draft and i took a stab at drafting a letter to the next president this if we could just get this on the desk of the next president i'll leave it to you to determine who that president will be i just write the letter here we go i think i would want to say something like this dear mr or madam president first off welcome to the oval office while we recognize 
that you were in one sense put into office by the vote of the people, we also believe there was a higher power at work. You will receive plenty of advice as you consult with the best and brightest from around the world. Will you take time to consult the maker of the world? As the great King Nebuchadnezzar was once reminded, the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. This means that your leadership is stewardship. It's temporary and you will be held accountable. Humble yourself before the Most High God on behalf of us, the people that you love and lead. Your sincerely. Heavenly Father, we pray for the next president of the United States. And we pray, oh God, whatever party, whatever political issues are at stake, we pray for this man or woman that they would humble themselves before the most high God. But Lord, I pray for all those in here who are little tiny presidents, men and women who are leading and influencing, maybe not kingdoms as big as Nebuchadnezzar's or as big as the Oval Office, but they're leading. And I pray that they too would bow the knee. They would recognize that the Most High God is sovereign over this leadership I have. And that it is a stewardship. It's temporary and we will be held accountable. And that you would humble us and keep us ever looking to the one who got it right. Ever looking and putting our hope in Jesus, the one who everything was built for his glory. He is the Most High God. And yet he leveraged that power for us and our salvation as he poured out his life. And that's why the trees of the field are still electric with your praise. And that's why those of us who have been redeemed join in the, the rocks and the trees and the fields and all that. We don't need all of them to glorify you because we're going to lead that charge. We're going to sing your praise and glorify you, Father. Because you can humble the exalted in all those who are brought low. So we pray for this humble God. We pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our current president. We pray all this in the matchless name of the Most High God, sovereign over all the kingdoms of heaven. Amen. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.